Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcasts. You're listening to WIS Business, the podcast, Wisconsin's business news source. Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Mo here for WIS Business, the podcast. And today I'm joined by Catherine Sanders of Sanders Consulting. Catherine, thanks so much for coming on the show. Glad to be here, Alex. So first off, can you just provide a quick overview of your business? Who are your clients and what are some goals as a consultant that you typically try to meet? So um, I am an industrial and systems engineer, and I have a kind of an odd specialty. I specialize in making work healthier for people. So um, I have a bachelor's, master's, and PhD, and my specialty is in human factors engineering. And most people would think of like ergonomics, right? And it is that. But I focus more on the psychological and social aspects of work and what work can do to make employees healthier and be able to give their best contributions over long periods of time. And so my consulting work is with individual leaders who are trying to help their groups be healthier and with whole workplace systems that are looking to find these levers to improve the health of their people. That's really interesting. Um, let's dig into that with one of your previous clients. That I understand you've worked with the Wisconsin State Medical Society, which we have referenced and talk about that organization in some of our reporting here at WIS Business. Can you talk about that experience and how you sort of catered that message in your, sounds like almost a scientific approach for the medical field? Um. So the clients who are interested in my work historically have been from industries with occupations that are high burnout. So um, teaching is a high burnout occupation, but also many of the occupations in healthcare are high burnout, right? And they're known for that. that. Um, And so when you have an industry or an occupation that has these um, continual patterns of people entering the field and becoming exhausted, um, then you know it's actually not the individuals, right? Then you know it's actually the system that you've introduced these individuals into that's creating the exhaustion. So it can't be decades of individuals making poor choices that exhaust them. It has to be the system, right? So the Wisconsin Medical Society, the work I did with them, maybe started almost 10 years ago now, Um, not quite. And they were looking to create a physician leadership program for physicians across the state. And so um, one of their physicians there at that time, their chief medical officer at WMS hired me. He had heard about me from um, other physician friends who had taken leadership programs from me and asked me if I would collaborate with them to create a program for physicians. And so we called it um, Leading Healthy Work Systems. And we wrote a grant proposal, we collaborated on a grant proposal that got funded, and then I taught it for them for three years. And it was delightful to meet these physician leaders from across systems, traveling, you know, down to Madison to meet together, get to know each other, and to learn about how to create work that doesn't exhaust people. So, um, and 
It's really quite emotional too. It wasn't uncommon for um, people to get very emotional because as you know, physicians are um, known to be very dedicated and I want to say driven and yeah. patient focused. And many times they uh, the people I've spoken with take it personally, like a personal sign of weakness that they've become exhausted or that they're thinking about taking early retirement or they've actually gotten ill or something like that. And they thought it was something wrong with them. But when you hear about the design of work to promote health and then you contrast with, with what we normally do, it kind of like, oh, that's what's going on here, right? It's not me. It's what we've all created together and called normal. That's the problem. Hmm. That's really interesting. You do hear that about that a lot from folks in the medical field, especially leaders of like uh, trade associations, you know, with the in the medical industry, this idea of burnout, because, of course, the workforce shortage that kind of spans all industries in Wisconsin and more broadly is particularly acute in the healthcare space. So I can certainly see the importance of a program like that for physicians in particular. They started researchers started studying burnout in healthcare um, and some other caring occupations back in the 1980s, right? So this isn't a new phenomena. It's just gotten worse every decade. It seems to get worse. And then when the pandemic came, um, it took a system that was already fragile and really, really broke it, I think. Um, and, And so there's a lot of need to figure out new ways to work together that are more feasible for humans. Certainly. Let's talk about that approach that you take kind of more broadly, you know, across different industries and and, and different organizations. What kind of tips or advice that are sort of evergreen or applicable to almost anyone that employers looking to improve their workforce workplace culture and and foster better mental health might be interested in pursuing? Um, I tend to think of it, I I made a framework um, at the request of the physicians in this program, right? They asked me, I just want something quick to remember this. So here's how I think about it. Um, In a work system, what we want to do is meet people's needs. And I know that many employers think of meeting people's needs means um, paying them a fair wage. And that is definitely part of it, right? But there's all these other aspects to being human that work also can be a huge contributor to. And that includes a sense of meaning and purpose, um, an ability to feel safe at work, uh, sharing your ideas, um, uh, the opportunity to be creative, and um, the ability to make a contribution and feel like you're you're important part of whatever the organization is trying to achieve. So this is just what it's like to be human. And if we design jobs for humans, then we would be trying to meet some of these psychological and social needs, as well as the needs that people have to support their family. So that's a big part of it. And then the other side of it is we want to reduce the risk of doing people harm. And so then, you know, we've got literally decades of research about what causes harm to employees. And there are the obvious things, you know, the safety issues, um, 
and issues about having a workplace that's well-designed, and those are important, and I'm not trying to, to say that they're not, but then there's more than that, right? And so when you think about doing harm to people, one way to do harm to people is to ask them to work all of the time. So workloads that are unsustainable do harm to people. And so I think, honestly, if, if we looked at the amount of work we're asking of people, that might be a really good starting place. What is an appropriate amount of work to ask of our people? And um, strangely, it's something that we seldom ask, how much is enough? Because mm -hmm. normally we say, as much as you got is all that I, you know, I want it all, right? If you could work 24 seven, I would love it. Um, but that's not good for people. It's not good for their families. It's not even good for their own quality of work. That's when yeah. you get the errors and you get illness and you get um, mistakes and near misses and um, all of the stuff that comes from exhaustion. Certainly, because it seems like a lot of people would try to rise to meet that expectation, right? If if an employer that they care about and they they care about their job and their work ask for them to give everything, a lot of people will, right? They'll give everything for as long as they can. Yeah. And then we reach this place where they don't have any capacity left to give, mm -hmm. right? And so then it's a much harder thing to come back from a place of depletion you know, I mean, I like to think of when I work with clients, I use an, um, an analogy of professional sports because most people follow some sort of professional sport, right? And when you see these professional athletes training, you don't go all out in training every day and then get to the game and hope you have something left, right? You, you, you're, we were very good at um, figuring out how much is enough when we're trying to get our excellent performance. Um, but we it's weird we don't translate that to the workplace. So that's reserved for elite athletes where we don't want to break them. Um, but here we are, you know, and work is um, a central facet of people's lives and it, it contributes hugely to your overall health and the health of your family and your relationships in your family. And, we're seldom as careful with that daily experience as we are with these, um, you know, events that we see. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Catherine, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners that you'd like to share as we wrap up here? Yeah. I mean, I'd like um, people to just think about the job that they have and to know that that job was made up. So all jobs are made up. Every single job that exists is made up. There is no job that you go outside and, you know, pick from a field and bring in the house, right? So even occupations like engineer, like myself or physician, they're made up. And so if we've made up something that isn't working, we can make up something else that has a better chance of working. So podcast host is a made up job, right? And yeah. so parts of it maybe work really well and other parts of it maybe need to be adjusted a little bit to make it more healthy for podcast hosts. So I like people to think of these systems as imagined and 
sometimes imagined intentionally, sometimes imagined by default. And just know that we do have the collective power to change them if we want to. Hmm. Wow, Catherine. Well, you've given me a lot to think about, a lot of really interesting insights here on the WISP Business Podcast. I want to say thanks again so much for, for joining me today. It's really a pleasure, Alex. You've been listening to WISP Business, the podcast. Now stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WISP Politics and WISP Business Podcast. Did you know that almost 80% of UW-Madison's in-state students return to live and work in Wisconsin in the years after graduation? And almost half of all UW-Madison alumni are current Wisconsin residents. That's just one way we're driving our economy forward. UW-Madison is working for Wisconsin.